Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. After the super emotional bumper from the previous series, we decided to go in the complete opposite direction and create the dumbest video possible. And I don't want to give anything away, so I'm just going to say this. Don't miss any of the bumpers in this series. I promise you, you will regret it if you do. Today, we're kicking off a new series called I Believe in Monsters. And you're probably wondering what it's all about. Well, it's about vampires. Not glittery vampires or vampires who live on Staten Island or vampires who are afraid of light and garlic, but relational vampires. What do vampires do? Vampires suck your blood. What do relational vampires do? They suck the life out of you. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks. More specifically, how do we love people who suck the life out of us? Because God calls us to love all people regardless of who they are. But how do we do that? How do we love the difficult people in our lives? So next week, Maggie is going to talk about how we can love people that are overly critical. Week week three, we're going to talk about loving people who are very needy. And week four, we're going to talk about loving people who are hypocritical. And we're doing this so that we can learn how to love the difficult people in our lives. And there are two reasons that we're starting this series today. The first is because it's officially the Halloween season, so I thought it would be fun. The second is because we're a little over a month away from an election, and this series is needed right now. Trust me. Now, before I get started today, I do want to give a little bit of a reality check when it comes to this series. If you just heard my explanation and thought, this is a great series for my difficult coworker, or my annoying neighbor, or my overbearing mother-in-law, or that Facebook friend who disagrees with me politically, you're mistaken. And here's why. This series isn't for other people. This series is for you and how you respond to difficult people, how you treat people that you disagree with, how you love those people. Because here's the truth. Every relationship you have is a combination of what you have created and what you have allowed. I mean, think about it. Every relationship you have, your marriage, your siblings, the relationship with your boss, your coworkers, your friends, your children, they're always some combination of what we have either rightly and purposely created or what we have passively allowed. We create healthy patterns or we allow unhealthy patterns. Every relationship we have. So if you don't like what you have, if you don't like the relationships that you have right now, change what you expect and what you accept. Let me say that again. If you don't like the relationships that you have right now, change what you expect and what you accept. And so that's what we're gonna be doing in this series. And today we are talking about people who are controlling. 
Unfortunately, some of you may have been hurt by someone in your life who has tried to control you. Maybe it was someone in an authority role in your life that was abusive. Maybe you were in a relationship with someone who tried to dictate the friends you had or the people that you talked to. Maybe it was a parent and they believed that they were keeping you safe, but what they were really doing is just controlling every single decision that you made. Now, most of the time, the people trying to control us are not intending to be malicious. Sometimes they're just needy. Sometimes they're just insecure. Sometimes they're just hurting people who respond to their own pain by trying to tell us how we should live our lives. Right? And these are the people who, if they don't get what they want, they will pout. They will stomp. They will whine. They'll complain. They'll give you the silent treatment. They'll walk away. And all the time you feel like you're walking on eggshells around them. So how do we love these people? How do we love people who are controlling? So let's start by building a foundation. What are the weapons that controllers have? How do they try to take control? Craig Rochelle explains that there are two main weapons that controllers use. Controllers use threats and guilt. Controlling people use threats and they use guilt. Let's talk about how they use threats. In some form or fashion, controllers will say or imply things like, you better do it or you will regret it. You better perform or you'll be punished. If you don't do what I want you to do, you're going to pay for this. They use threats. And maybe your boyfriend who says that he'll break up with you if you don't do what he wants you to do. It may be your boss that terrifies you and makes you feel like you're going to get fired or demoted, so you're always on edge. It may be a spouse who's threatening to leave you. It could be the friend who threatens to share something you told them in secret so that they can get you to do what they want you to do. Whatever it is, one of the controller's weapons is to use threats. They will also use guilt. Again, they may say or imply things like, After all I've done for you, you won't even do this one thing for me. I thought we were friends, but you won't even do this. You call yourself a Christian. What kind of Christian are you anyways? Maybe you have a relative who constantly says, you never call me, or you must be too busy for me, or you don't love me, or I could have been dead for two weeks and you didn't even care. Threats and guilt. Threats and guilt. So how do we love those who intentionally or unintentionally try to control us? To learn how to handle these types of people, I want to look at a story in the book of Matthew. Now, Matthew is a biography of Jesus written by Matthew, right? That kind of makes sense. And the story we are reading today is the interaction between Jesus and his closest friend, Peter. Here's the context. Jesus is very clearly explaining to his 12 closest followers that God's will for him is to suffer, then give up his own life as a sacrifice for many. And then Jesus says that God will then raise him from the dead. But Peter, who's in that group listening, is trying to do what he thinks is right. He literally tries to take control of Jesus and in a very unintentional way is going to try to distract Jesus from what God wants for his life. And that's where we pick up the story today in Matthew 16, starting in verse 22. 
But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. You may notice sometimes that controllers often try to isolate you. They often like to take you aside away from others so that they can impose their will on you. And that's what Peter is trying to do. He took Jesus aside and said, heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. In other words, this is not what I want and I'm not going to allow this to happen. And so what is Jesus's response? Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Now, I want to point out two things that we can learn from this story when it comes to how we respond to controlling people. Now, if you haven't started taking notes, this is the time you start to do it. So how do we respond to people who are incredibly controlling? Number one, we need to know what we are called to do. Jesus was so clear on what his calling was. He had confidence in it. And throughout his life, over and over and over again, he would say in different ways, the very clear and very purposeful mission of why God sent him to earth. We read this last week, Luke 19, 10. It says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. He told us what he came to do. Mark 2, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So he told us who he came for and who he did not come for. Matthew 20, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He told us how he was going to do it. So for you to love those people who are trying to control you, it's really important that you clearly define your calling. So what is God calling you to do? Now, a lot of time, people mistakenly think a calling is this grandiose thing, right? Like you're supposed to sell all your possessions and go and be a missionary in Africa, or you're supposed to find the cure for cancer, or you're supposed to have some high profile role in politics. The truth is maybe one of those could be your calling and that's fine. But I would argue that our calling isn't always specific, but it is to the people that are closest to us. Your calling might be to love your wife. Your calling might be to lead your children. Your calling might be to serve your neighbor. Your calling might be to be a good student and turn on your camera so your teacher doesn't have to talk to a bunch of black screens all day. Teachers, you can say amen to that, I know. Your calling might be to share the hope of Jesus to your coworkers. You have to clearly identify your calling. For example, I believe that my calling is clear. I'm to lay my, my life down to serve my wife, Ray. I'm to lead my children so that hopefully they become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I'm to be the pastor of this church. This is very clear to me. And this drives how I live my life. You need to know what you are called to do. But here's the problem. We care too much about what other people think about us. We do. Like, if you admit it, if you're being honest with yourself, you do. You care so much about what other people think about you. 
And some of you take it even a little bit further and you would struggle with people pleasing. But what you need to understand is that people pleasing is a form of idolatry. Because what you're doing is you're wrongly putting people's opinions of you ahead of God's calling for you. And that's why we have to be clear about what our calling is. Because here's the truth. There are a lot of people who think they have a very clear view of what I should be doing with my life and my time. And the same is true for you. There are people who want to control you and they say, you should do this. You should go there. You should act this way. And they have a very clear plan for what you should be doing with your time and your resources. For me, there are people who want me to do exactly what they want me to do. And I cannot do everything. I cannot please everyone. I cannot save everyone. Honestly, I wish I could, but I cannot meet with everyone who wants to meet with me. I can't do everything. I can't be everywhere, but I can love my wife. I can lead my kids and I can use the gifts I have to do what I'm uniquely called to do in pastoring this church. So you need to know what you are called to do. Because when you know what you're called to do, it creates clarity. That's why we need to know our calling. So that's the first thing. The second thing we need to do is a little more difficult, but it is a loving thing to do. You need to know when it is time to draw a line in the sand. You need to know when it is time to draw a line in the sand. And this is exactly what Jesus does with Peter, right? Jesus explains what God has called him to do. Peter pulls him aside to try and stop him. And Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's, right? So Jesus draws a line in the sand. He stops Peter. He stands up for himself. So your grandma makes you feel guilty that you haven't called her lately. Get behind me, Satan, Boyfriend threatens to walk out if you have another girl's night. Get behind me, Satan. Boss is guilting you into staying late at work. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, maybe you shouldn't do it that way, but it is okay to draw a line in the sand. But how do we do that? What do we say? How do we say it? Well, the truth is it's really simple. It's just not easy. This is what we do with the people that we love we sit down and we tell the controller in our life, I love you so much, but you can't yell at me. I'm not gonna let you talk to me that way. I love you, but that's inappropriate. I appreciate you caring about me, but we need to set up some boundaries. I care about you, but you can't talk to me that way. I know this is difficult, but because I love you, I'm not going to bail you out again, right? And you can throw a fit, you can yell, you can scream, but I want you to know that I'm going to consistently express my love for you, but I'm not gonna tolerate this. And the truth is when you do this, they probably won't initially respond well. Most of the time the controller is gonna get upset and they might double down on their dysfunctional behavior. And so you draw a line in the sand and you let them know that the way that they are talking to you is not okay. You draw a line in the sand and you tell the person who's trying to control you that they need to stop. And yes, this could change a relationship. It might even end a relationship. But the reason why they're gonna act this way is because they're hurt. 
and you are redefining your relationship into something healthy. And because you love them, of course you don't want them to hurt. But even though you're drawing a line of sand that might bring pain, you know that on the other side of that hard conversation, there's something better. Does it hurt when they're hurting? Of course. But it hurts every day when there is a controlling relationship and someone is trying to force you away from God's calling in your life. So we have to love them enough to know when to draw a line in the sand because you cannot live your life constantly being controlled by other people. I mean, just think about Jesus. Jesus loved Peter. This, is, this isn't debated. There was no way that this was easy for Jesus to call out Peter in front of the rest of the other disciples, but he wasn't going to let Peter control him. He wasn't going to abandon God's calling on his life because of that friendship. He was going to draw a much needed line in the sand because it was better for Jesus and Peter if he did so. So you can love people, but not allow them to control you. Now, it's really easy to talk about the other people in your life who are controlling, right? It's always easy to talk about those people. But the truth is, I struggle with this as well. And if you are being honest with yourself, you would say that you struggle with this because I want everybody to do what I want everybody to do. I want them to fall into my line. And the reason why I want them to do what I want them to do is because unfortunately, I like to play God. I like to call the shots and so do you. And we end up doing the same thing that Peter is trying to do with Jesus. And the problem is I don't make a good God and neither do you. Think about it. No matter how much guilt you throw someone's way, no matter how many times you threaten them, no matter how many times you try to control them, do you have the power to change your spouse? No. Does God have the power and ability to change your spouse? Yes. He does. Do you, as helicoptery as you are, have the ability to control your child's future? No. Does God have the ability to open doors and close doors to direct your kids? Absolutely. Do you have the power to manipulate, to control, to threaten, to change someone's behavior so they overcome their addiction? No. But does God, through the power of Jesus, have the ability to make someone new? Yes. So when we recognize that we don't have the power to control, we stop trying to be like God and we surrender to him. And that's why Jesus said right after his encounter with Peter in Matthew 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, you can't be your own God anymore. And just like I'm going to give up my own life and just like God is going to raise me up, you two have to take up your cross and follow me. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, you don't have to be in control. You don't have to have that pressure. You don't have to have those expectations. You don't have to be in control of your own life, let alone someone else's. And if you want to follow Jesus, you will never be in control again because it's not about your will from that moment on because it's all about God's will. And this is so important because anytime we let someone else wrongly control us or anytime we try to control someone else, essentially we are trying to be God. But the only way that we can truly follow Jesus is to surrender our will to his will. 
not try and control someone else, but entrust them to him, to pray for them, to love them with boundaries without entering into the dysfunction, to lead them. And sometimes to say, I just have to trust that God is going to work in your life and I can't control it. So the good news is that you don't have to be in control. And Jesus said it very clearly. If you want to belong to me, you can't be in control and you need to deny yourself and follow me. And that is a good thing. That should take some weight off of you because you don't have to be the king of your own life. You don't have to be the Lord of your own life. And while you might feel the weight of your guilt or the weight of your sin, and the truth is the shame of it all, you don't have to take control because God is in control. And because God is in control, he has decided that we don't have to earn grace, that we don't have to work our way into favor with him. And even though we've sinned, we've walked out of alignment with what God wants for us, God still loves us more than we could ever imagine. And because God is in control, we don't have to pay the punishment for our sins. We don't have to be our own savior. He sent Jesus to do that. And that is the very thing that Jesus is explaining to Peter at the beginning of this story, that he came to earth so that he could give up his own life as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then God would raise him from the dead so that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus would be saved, changed, forgiven. And that's why I am so glad that God is in control, not me. So if you feel like your life is out of control right now, if you feel like you're living in a place where you're striving for that control, and because of that, life isn't going the way that you want or hoped or expected, and you're ready to let go, he will forgive your sins. He will make you new. He will lead you. He will take control. You just have to let him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, that we don't have to be controlled by others, but realistically, we don't have to be in control of our own life. God, that you, you want what's best for us. God, you love us. Um, God, you, you wanna give us something so much better than what we can create on our own. God, we're thankful for that. But God, the truth is we have such a hard time letting go. God, we have such a hard time relinquishing control of our own life. Realistically, we have a hard time letting go of trying to control other people's lives as well. And so God, I pray this week, um, as we look at our dysfunctional relationships, our broken relationships, uh, our controlling relationships, God, uh, I pray that we turn our focus back toward you and your calling on our life. God, that we have the courage to draw a line in the sand and have a hard conversation and let people know that they are no longer in control of what we think or what we do or how we live. But God, I pray that we also do the same in our own life. God, that we don't try to continue to be the Lord of our own life, the savior of our own life. But God, we trust you for that. God, thank you so much um, in this broken, messy, dysfunctional, disorganized world that we don't have to be in control and we can just trust you to take care of that. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.